Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, Coach David Thorpe. How are you? Doing fantastic. It's a special day. It is a special day. We have True Hoop boss Henry Abbott here. How are you, sir? I'm not the special part. <laughs> you are not the special part. We are joined by longtime NBA writer, NBA journalist extraordinaire, the one and only Howard Beck. How are you, sir? Gentlemen, good to be with you. If I'm the special part of this, that's way too much pressure. I don't think I can live up to it. I'm already looking out my window to see if there's somebody else I can pull it off the street. What are the what options do we have out there? I mean, usually this hour, a lot of people walking their dogs. Yeah. Uh, here in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, um, delivery people uh, constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the occasional garbage truck. It's a street sweeping day, which is very oh, exciting. Yeah. Oh, if you see a street- net, you just go. You're like, yeah. <laughs> so people will be fleeing to go sweepers? to go move their cars to avoid tickets very shortly. Like, what do street sweepers actually do? Like, when you watch, what do they actually do when you watch it? Because um, I move the garbage across the other side. Yeah, they move yeah. it from the curb to the middle. Right. The <laughs> brushes, these massive brushes just swirl around. And so it's just throwing the stuff somewhere else, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand how it actually gets anything off the street. I just know that I got to, in, in the years where I've had a car, which unfortunately we do again, uh, it, it just means you, you, you have to go play this whole game of, of like uh, automobile twister mm-hmm. where everybody's moving their cars and trying to coordinate so that we don't all bump into each other and so that we also don't get ticketed. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's annoying and it's stressful. And uh, if you start hearing a lot of honking and screaming in the background <laughs> during this recording... I guarantee you that'll be why. That's what can, it is. Can, can I just welcome to New York City? Kids. Can I just make one point? Before we went on air, <laughs> they were making they anyway. were making fun of. <laughs> they were making all you fucking New Yorkers are making fun of the where I live, and I'm with you. But I have no fucking idea what you're talking about right now, Howard. <laughs> Moving on. You don't want to know, right, Thor. Right. Well, you have you the alligators come and take the trash off. Your, that's a, that takes the trash for you. No problem. The gators come. <laughs> right now, it's been raccoons lately, but it's a whole other thing. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. A whole other yeah. thing. How are you doing on alligators and raccoons, Howard? Are you safe? <laughs> Uh, I've seen neither recently. Oh, a few months ago, I saw a raccoon perched on somebody's air conditioner. We have the window air conditioners in this city. I was walking through uh, Park Slope on the way to an appointment and there was a, people were stopped and staring at something. I'm like, what are they, what are these people doing? And I looked to my right, this huge freaking raccoon, raccoon is sitting on top of someone's uh, window AC unit. Just like, just killing, just perched there doing, I don't know. What he had in mind. I, obviously, he was about to rob something because that's what well, raccoons do. I, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that since it's a basketball show. I'll leave it with this since it's a basketball show. The raccoons we have down here, they play two on two at the park with dudes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen a few of them playing. Like, these fucking things are I'll like wolves. Say, They're so big. What is happening? What is I, I just, just want to leave this discussion yeah. on this note. No matter how many raccoons I've yeah. seen in this city, no matter how many fucking rats yeah. I've seen, and everybody's always all freaked out by the rats. I don't know about it beats the hell out of walking out and seeing a freaking alligator like eating your puppy. All right. If I like every I week, there's another story about an alligator puppies. eating old ladies, eating they puppies, eating they, cats. They did kill eating, a woman. Like, I don't just yeah. that that oh shit creeps God. me out. If, I don't. I don't. Need I'm that 58, in my life. and I think I'll it's the first death I've heard about from a someone who lived here. Just happened. An old, old lady was killed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds great, Henry. Let's yeah. talk about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> alligators eating puppies. I got really sad. All right. Um, we had a basketball return last night. A fairly important player uh, played basketball again for the first time since January 8th, I want to say. Kevin Durant made his debut for the Phoenix Suns in a win against the Charlotte Hornets. 23 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, 2 blocks in 26 minutes. You know, 
I thought for a minute's restriction, he looked pretty good. Uh, offensively, he's always easy to interject everywhere, um, as we've talked about him multiple times. But I thought defensively, there's some things I liked um, that, that he did. But everyone's quick thoughts on Kevin Durant rejoining the basketball world. We'll start with our guest first. Um, so it's always nice when uh, NBA media talking points and cliches uh, come to life and, and, and validate all the, the things that we like to say, because we'll all sit here and say like, yeah, you know, Kevin Durant, sure. Not a lot of time to acclimate to the Suns, but Kevin Durant is the most plug and play superstar. Maybe we, we've ever seen. And then we watched the game last night and it's like, yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take any adjustment whatsoever. Um, I mean, I, I still believe and, and, and coach, you know, I'll, I'll let you or, or, or be curious to hear yeah. your thoughts on this. I still believe in, in in my my gut that 20 games is a very 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 short span to integrate somebody as important as Kevin Durant with two other players who are as important as Chris Paul and Devin Booker all of whom are guys who are used to controlling a lot of the offense and I still think that there's an adjustment that has to be had there and a chemistry and a a a cohesion a rhythm that has to be established before they get to the playoffs. And I still think 20 games is a very, very short window to do all that. And he probably won't play all 20 games because he's Kevin Durant and he's got a lot of miles and injury history and just came back from a couple months off from injury. But all that said, to flip on the TV, to see Kevin Durant playing for not just the first time in a Suns uniform with new teammates, but the first time in two months because he's been rehabbing a knee injury (laughs) and to look that good is it's just astounding. Like we have to sometimes step back and just process like this really is as impressive and, and, and as cool as it seems. The guy hasn't played in two months and he's never played with this team. And that's what he could do. Basically like the equivalent of like rolling out of bed and just dropping 30 on people. Right. Like that is, it wasn't 30, but like, that's what he did. He, he dominated the game and the way we're used to seeing as if he had been there all along and hadn't missed any time at all. And so that is fantastic for the Suns. That, I think, is scary for the rest of the Western Conference. I remain a pump-the-brakes guy on the crowning of the Suns as Western Conference champs just by virtue of what we see on paper because I think every every team in the West that has a, a chance has some combination of strengths and, and caveats, and it's a weird year in the West, and it's all packed up, and we can talk about all that. And I think the Suns are right in there among the favorites, but I don't want to say that they are the favorite just because I, I don't – I don't ever want to rush into that just based on, oh, we added superstar A to stars B and C, ergo, they've got the best. It's always more complicated than that, right? Um, but an incredible, impressive debut. This just in David Thorpe, Kevin Durant's still good at basketball. Yeah, I mean, everything Howard said was exactly right. And he's smart because uh, the last thing he said, especially where it just isn't that easy. Uh, there's a lot that has to be uh, factored in. Uh, he is the easiest guy to play with. I, I agree. I, th- I mean, all the greats are pretty much in that same. It's not hard to play with LeBron uh, uh, most of the time. With Kevin Durant, it's always easy to play because he isn't so ball dominant the way LeBron is. But, but guys, there's really – it doesn't matter what Kevin Durant does because you already know what he's going to do. He's the most predictable guy we have in the league. Uh, we know who Devin Booker is. The question comes down to Josh Okoji, Torrey Craig, and Craig Paul. Craig, uh, Craig Paul. Um, Cliff Paul. Yeah, Cliff Paul. <laughs> Cliff Paul. That's it. Like, we already know what the other guys are going to do. We know Aiton is. We, uh, uh, Chris Paul is look – at, look at his numbers in February. Don't look at his averages. 
Look at his individual game performances. One for eight isn't an aberration for him. He has these games where he just really struggles to score. And now you've got either Josh Okoji or Torrey Craig that have to also play well on offense for their offense to be terrific. And I don't care what they do right now. Honestly, I didn't even look up what they did last night. First of all, they played a G League team. I'm, I, no, no apologies to Kevin Durant, but he played a G League team. That's fine. Uh, uh, I think their coach would even say that, uh, Steve Clifford. Uh, in the playoffs, I don't know if Torrey Craig and Josh Okoji can do what they need to be able to do, especially given that Chris Paul is not going to play well three games in a row, almost for sure. And so it comes down to that. So to, to Howard's point, there's a, every team in the West, including the by far best team, Denver Nuggets, are not uh, – you can't just assume they're going to be the best team. They all have flaws that can be uh, taken advantage of. There's this, there, they all have scabs that can be picked in the, the postseason, mm-hmm. to, the way I had to put it grossly. Um, and Phoenix does too. And maybe it turns out we're all talking here in July, or late June rather, and Craig and Okoji were just so consistently good offensively, because we know they can guard. Because uh, Chris Paul won't be good offensively every game. But if those guys are very good most games, uh, Phoenix has a great chance to win the West and the whole thing. Uh, but we don't, until we see that, it's hard to project. Because they're going to leave those guys. No one's going to guard them. Season, right? They're not going to guard them at all. And it's not even if they make two in a row, they're going to guard them. They have to do that for right. like two, three games. Like, okay, now I'll guard hey, you. Guys, uh, we'll get to Henry. I'm sorry, Henry. But just remember, the Celtics chose to not guard Steph Curry as a strategic plan, <laughs> if you guys remember that series, they waited till game four, and then by then it was too late. They were up 2-1 as it happened, but that's when they kind of flipped it. They let Curry take some of the craziest shots that Curry can make, and he made them. They did that because they're worried about the Queens that aren't slicing and dicing him every other way. It's very easy not to guard those guys from Phoenix, and that's what every team is going to do. Henry? Um. I don't have anything brilliant to say about Los Angeles game because I didn't watch it. But um, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Like when Howard was talking about like, you know, how amazing it is that this guy has yeah. come back again. Right. I think right, like, right. OK, so and he was when he was looking for his Achilles tendon on the court Jeez. at age, whatever, 32, mm-hmm. 33. Right. Like mm-hmm. I was like, the math is like he's probably not going to be elite again. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and now he's had a bunch of other things and now he's you know, he is moving. Right. Like he's and it really takes me back to. um when he first came in the league and he didn't test very well in the combine or whatever, like everyone was like, you basically, you need to be beefy like LeBron was basically what the argument was. And he, you know, didn't, he refused. He stayed skinny as hell. And I think he's an incredible argument for skinny as hell, right? Like I, he just doesn't have as much force on his job. I completely agree with that. Completely agree. He's recovering, right? He recovers better. And I, you know, I don't think we can count on it. Keep happening, but you know, nut jobs on Twitter are basically like, he will be better because every time he has a big injury, he comes back better. And it's like, yeah, that's not, that yeah. will be true until it's not true. And Correct. it'll be soon. Right? <laughs> right. Like it's just, sorry. I've been saying this as someone who also loves moving and has dealt with age, right? Like age is a motherfucker. <laughs> like, but, um, but like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's not going to be true forever. It's not magic, but I do think that, you know, remember when like Tayshawn Prince was a rookie and everyone's like, Oh, I can't fucking play like that. It's like, well, you can't play like that. Like you can't, you totally <laughs> fucking can't, right? Like you can be skinny. And uh, and this guy right now is the argument for it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent, David. I wanted to talk really quick about what the Suns could potentially do defensively with Durant. We talk about how good he is offensively. We all know plug and play, all that. But what I liked last night that I saw it a couple times, and you know they didn't do a ton of it because it's early and they're still working things out and they're playing a G League team as you mentioned. 
But normally the Suns are drop heavy in pick and roll just because they don't have other rim protectors. Aiton played a little more aggressive a couple times last night, and you saw the value of having a second seven-footer on the court who can protect the rim. So I thought that was a nice changeup that they could potentially add to their defensive ring. I was speaking to a, a coach earlier this year about guarding the superstars in the league. And, and it, they were playing a superstar, and it was his scout. He was an assistant coach. And he made a whole video of how to guard this particular uh, uh, superstar player. And, and I said, I don't need the 20-minute version of your video. Like, give me, the, give me the gravity, which is the biggest physical force involved. And I said, and you better give me the right answer. And he said, oh, we got to change up our looks. I'm like, thank you. Lead with that next time, brother. That's, what I, that's the whole point. <laughs> Defensive versatility. The, uh, you cannot let Chris Paul, and then it's certainly Devin and, and Kevin, uh, uh, know what's coming. You have to change it up. Just converse it the other way. Now, reverse the other way for, against Phoenix. Having Durant on defense gives them way more options defensively of what they can do. And I think that makes them much more potent potentially defensively. I like it. I like it. All right. Moving on to a story that um, has me concerned. As everyone knows, this is a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Grizzlies podcast. Uh, just kidding. But I love the Grizzlies. Um, and so does David. What are the street sweeping procedures? <laughs> well, listen, right. that may take on a different meaning. Um, Look, this is the third incident now, uh, and what I'm talking about is John ja Morant. Uh, the Washington Post reported yesterday that um, there was an incident with Ja and associates of his at a mall in Memphis um, where the mall security director called the police and said that he felt as though his life was being threatened by associates uh, with John ja Morant, and one of the associates uh, hit the security guard in the back of the head. Um, nobody was arrested. There was no weapon involved, but that's one thing. Four days later, everybody, I think, knows the story about the pickup game at Ja's house where there was a foul or something happened. A ball got thrown in Ja's face. Ja punched the kid up a number of times on the ground. The kid also in that Washington Post report says that when Ja went into his house and came back out, there was a weapon visible in his waistband of his pants. Um, you didn't think anything about holding it or anything, but he said, that's what the kid said, allegedly. And then, of course, we know about the incident that happened. Uh, January 29th of this year, Pacers game in Memphis, where after the game, you know, a lot of back and forth between T. Morant and Devontae Pack, a friend of John Morant and the Memphis um, and the Indiana yeah. Pacers players spilled over after the game into the tunnel uh, below the loading docks at the FedEx Forum. And the, the Pacers traveling party said that a red laser light beam was, shat, was flashed on them. They thought it was attached to a gun. The NBA investigated. Nobody could corroborate there was a gun. Uh, but either way, this is three things now um, that involve John Morant adjacent, right? People that he associates with are making life difficult and making people feel that their life is their life is threatened. And for someone like Morant, who is the face of a up-and-coming team, a contender, actually, um, who's an all-NBA player, a potential future MVP possibly one day. He's got a signature shoe coming out, just on the five-year rookie max extension. These are all problematic things to me, and everyone on this pod should know by now. I am not into respectability politics. I don't believe in that. However, life isn't fair, and when you are John Morant, you cannot be associated with these things. Like It's not good for you just as an individual, one. 
two, not good for the Grizzlies because we're talking about this instead of basketball, right? And it's not good for the NBA. And look, Memphis, I don't know how much you guys know about the city of Memphis. There are plenty of people who are actual thugs and gangsters in Memphis who would have no problem. Oh, job, you're really about this, yeah. right? We'll happily engage you in this type of activity. And none of that ends well. Guys, I'm not, the journalists can talk first. I'm just a coach. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first on this. And I mean, Henry and I probably have some similar experiences as, you know, reporters um, over the years where a couple things, a couple things that I think everybody should be aware of, um, especially, you know, fans and readers, listeners who are, are trying to process all this one, just as a matter of course here. Uh, not everything that's in a police report is fact. We as as reporters get True. statements from police. We look at police reports. We we uh, you know when someone's charged with something, there are court filings. All of these things feel very official and and carry a certain kind of seeming legal weight because they are official and they came from official people. It's you know the the old expression authorities said right. Um, that that is that is a newspaperism, right? Authorities said X Y Z happened. This is what's in the official report. This is what witnesses said. Witnesses are not always reliable. Police reports are not always accurate. Um, in fact, we have a, a, too much of a history of police reports being uh, distorted, um, embellished. Um, so that's not to say that any of that is going on here. It's just to say that um, part of the skepticism that comes with being a journalist is to be skepticism skeptical in all directions. Yeah. Or at least to apply a little bit of rigor and say, just because this is put on paper and in an official report doesn't mean it's the facts. All that. So that's that's my cautionary mm -hmm. note as a reporter. Um, but to the broader picture that's being um, that's coming into focus here in the Washington Post story, it, you know, we had one report from TMZ about the incident with John Morant and the kid in the pickup game. Then we had the athletic report a week or two ago about the confrontation between Jaws friends and, and some of the Pacers and the laser and people suspecting that that laser was attached to a gun and all that. Now we have a third thing, this incident with a mall and a security guard. That is three separate incidents, all of which, you know, again, more than two sides to every story. And there have been no charges uh, of yet, as of yet, the NBA's own investigations. Um, have have concluded nothing in particular, I guess. Um, and so there there are there are caveats to all this, but it's three separate incidents, all involving Ja and his friends, and either violence or threats of violence or perceived threats of violence. At some point, it's a pattern, and if you're the NBA and if you're the Grizzlies, it has to be a concern. I will say this, and now I'm just speculating or or giving you my perspective based on 26 years of covering this league and 30 years as a, as a journalist, whatever the league and the Grizzlies may or may not say, trust me when I tell you that they have investigated the holy hell out of this beyond probably what the <laughs> cops have even done. Um, and that their level of concern will probably far exceed anything that they will be willing to ever say on the record. Unless this crosses some other line, unless there are charges filed, unless there is another incident. The NBA will do everything possible to also uh, protect 
its image, the image of its franchises, and the images of, of its players, especially star players at Jaws level. No doubt about that in my mind. That's not to say they're covering anything up. Just to say that they are not going to actually acknowledge concern unless they have to. Right. And they're not going to acknowledge anything beyond that unless they have to. Um, but trust me when I tell you, <laughs> there is no question in my mind, this has them on high alert. And they have the NBA has a vast security apparatus, uh, um, uh, you, a, 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 an entire department at the league level, also at team levels, that are all former cops, former FBI agents. Um, they know how to do, do dig into these things. And often they know way more than what we've been privy to publicly. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. I, um, Jim Tanner is his agent, who's a really nice guy, and released a statement. Um, they were obviously delighted that the Washington Post's reporting was like wrong on one fact, right? <laughs> right. They um, the allegation was not that he pointed the gun, and so that was, and so they just leapt all over this, right? Like, quick, quick question, Henry, because yeah. I, as I followed this, that particular point, I thought that was maybe a mistweet. And not in the story itself. So that's correct, Howard. Candace Buckner actually mistweeted that, misquoted that. And when she tweeted out the Washington Post article by Molly, I forget the name of the reporter who, who did it at the Post. Mm-hmm. So yes. Then they said, no, that was our mistake, not pointed. Right. The kid said it was in the waistband. So you are correct. Right. So the, the reporter on the on the Washington Post story was Molly Hensley Clancy, who I assume is a Metro reporter, you know, a, a news so site She's reporter. a sports investigations Ooh. reporter. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Sports yeah. investigations. So Candace Buckner, who, you know, uh, I, I believe all of us know and is, is, I consider wonderful. a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Candace was not a reporter on this story. So I just want to note that when Jim Tanner is trying to right. use Candace's right. mischaracterization <laughs> in a tweet, that is... He's using that. I'm, I'm just going to say this. I'm sorry, Jim Tanner. He's using that to try to impugn the entire story written by Molly right. Hensley Clancy, which had nothing to do with Candace's tweet, which simply made it an error that she later corrected. So using that to send, then try to throw out the entire story is a classic misdirection play. Um, and right. I, that that part was was uh, slightly irritating to me as a reporter. And then like, there's some big talk about like people who are just trying to profit off of he's a talented player and he's a family first and they're trying to profit off his downfall. It's like, Okay, I mean, I get why you got to say that, and like, but like, okay, but I, but in even in this sort of like, you know, just taking the facts and just kind of putting them on a spit and roasting them, like moment of an agent and a lawyer, you know, doing his job. Um, even there, the firearm allegations of which there are many, right? Um, could not be corroborated. So this is like the sunniest version of events. Mm-hmm. No, what what you would say if you could is mm-hmm. he's never owned a gun. Correct. Well, there was no gun there, right? Mm-hmm. But none of that, right? Like, and then, uh, and then the, the July twenty sixth incident, which I believe is the pickup game mm-hmm. yeah. story, um, mm-hmm. uh, was purely self defense, which is one hundred percent confirmation something happened, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and look, I, I, to me, I see that I don't know. I wasn't there. I, I have no opinion on what happened, but, um, but to me, I just think that, like, okay, jaw, like, life is super not fair, like. It's absolutely true that people will come for you and try to put you in a bad position so they can sue you and get settlement and take your money, whether that's over like sex stuff or violence stuff or whatever, right? This is all, this is a real thing. There are people who are thinking about you in that way. You're an opportunity in this way. That sucks. It's not fair. Um, but how did LeBron have none of these? Like, what did he do? Like, in that same unfair world, he navigated this. He's been in the NBA for 450 years. <laughs> like, and somehow it doesn't have this. He's not the only one, right. right? Like there is a way to do it. And it involves an unfair workload that you shouldn't have to do 
but you shouldn't be fucking around with guns at parties. Like you just shouldn't be right. Like, like it just, it just, sh- it shouldn't even be close. Right. Like there, right. Like you just have to follow this other set of rules. It's just because you make so much money and I'm sorry, but like, it's unfair. Like, and, and it's not the way it should be, but it is that way. And if you want to not have any of these, it's an option. You can work that out. Yeah. Well, and to your point, Henry, um, John Morant is not the only star in the NBA. He's not the only rich star in the NBA. He's not even the biggest star in the NBA. Nobody else in recent memory has had this kind of series of incidents. So if people are trying to, you know, profit off of you, if people are trying to use, you know, threats and lawsuits or bait you into something and all this, okay, everybody in that, in that echelon is a target potentially, but nobody else is in this situation right now, which suggests that through his own actions or the actions of his friends or whatever, maybe Ja has not done enough to make sure that these things don't happen. And also to your point, Henry, yeah, uh, there's a big difference between saying there's no corroboration of things like a gun (laughs) versus saying there was no gun. And so there's enough ambiguity there in their own denials that you, you wonder, okay, well, we're obviously missing some stuff here, but something happened and you know what you know firearms may have been involved at least in in appearance if not actual usage of um again all very concerning and it's interesting too because it's been a long time guys since it's not to say the nba you know like they, they, there are there are no incidents of of crimes or alleged crimes or anything else with nba players obviously I mean, miles bridges but it's is, seldom now it's, it's, it's seldom it's it's, mm-hmm. it's seldom yeah. And Henry and I were were certainly around uh, covering the NBA in the early two thousands when, as a Blazers fan, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden in in DC. That was oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was there was that and that like that that incident even is like what like fifteen years ago, yeah, early two thousands. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and and you know the the Trailblazers uh, with all the incidents that happened there. I'm not going to use the uh, obnoxious term that was 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 thrown at them, Um, but. But there were a lot of incidents once upon a time, um, and and in, and in the case of somebody like like Zach Randolph, who you know, interesting you know uh, uh, you know uh, reference point because Zach, of course, you know, completely um, re, re you know re uh, not rebranded this is a terrible rehabilitated. Not even, I don't want to use rehabilitated either. Zach Zach Randolph became a new person and a beloved yep. figure in Memphis sure after did. a very rocky start in his early years with Portland when he was very young and had a lot of buddies with him that he brought from home who got him in a lot of trouble. And everybody even then would tell you Zach Randolph is a teddy bear of a guy. He's a wonderful person, a warm hearted guy and and is not trying to do anything wrong, but he's got the wrong people around him. And that was the story on him early on in Portland. And then he came to New York where I covered him briefly with the Knicks. And he is, he's a fantastic, fantastic dude. And then he bounced around, got to Memphis and became a cult hero and, and, and a wonderful person in the community and everything else. So again, do not rush to judgment, I would say to people as well mm-hmm. about what this might mean about a, a particular player. Sometimes they just have the wrong people around them. Um, and that was certainly the case uh, for, for Zach Randolph. But this is reminiscent of a lot of the things that were going on in that time, whether it was with Zach or other uh, members of the Trailblazers or other people in, around the NBA at that time. It's been a while since we've had a, a pattern emerge like this involving any particular player, especially somebody of John Morant's caliber. I, yeah. I, I was just going to say two th- quick things. One is about Henry and, and Howard, actually, as it relates to this. Um, anyone that's listening to the show, Jaron and Henry know all too well. Uh, it's hard to impress me on the basketball court. I've been doing this 36 years. I, I, I had JV dunk contests for my high school players. Like I had six, five, 
freshman dunking hell. I had three guys that could do three sixties and they were fifteen years old. Right. I've seen it all. I love that there's a story that starts with JV yeah. dunk contest and ends with Howard <laughs> yeah. and me. Yeah. Know, you'll see. <laughs> Good luck, David. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Um, and so it's very hard to 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 catch my attention as something really special. The benefit of having people like Howard and, and Henry in my life, and and certainly as a as a someone who does consume sports beyond just what I do as an analyst, uh, it's not like you can't distract them. H- H- Howard. Howard gave a little two minute little not even a speech, but like it's so obvious, guys. You're not gonna you're not gonna just release some kind of statement and say Howard have and have the Howard Bexton one saying, "Oh, okay, I get it. No, no harm, no foul." <laughs> like this guy has been around. He, you, you, you know, if everyone thought like him, the whole world would be a much better place because we're gonna ferret out the bullshit fast. Guys like him, and so people like me who don't aren't as knowledgeable need to follow people like that. We should be listening to them as it comes to something like this, because it is important. The reason why it's important is if John Morant wasn't as good, he'd already be cut. He'd be gone. He would have been cut from this team. Maybe someone else would pick him up. But you can't have three incidents of this as a borderline player. Done. You are out of that job. And at some point, no one is above four, five, six incidents. I mean, at some point, there's a line. Now, what I would want to know if anyone in Memphis is asking these questions to the owner, are you spe- have you talked to Ja about this? The GM, have you talked to Ja? Because the coach can't fire him. The GM can because he can trade him, and the owner can't because he can say to the GM, we got to get rid of this guy. But someone has to be having this conversation with him. And I have zero confidence that anyone is going to hold him accountable to what's going on. In fact, I worry just the opposite. I worry they're going to double down on the image because Memphis is promoting that as a team, like we're the tough guys or whatever. And what Gerard said is true too, as I've talked to players before. I know you're 6'9", 6'10", he's not, but I have players that are. And I know you think you beat up everyone. Guns don't give a fuck. Like you have got to play it. I have this speech with my, my kids, my son. Like you, I know you're a big, strong dude. Guns don't give a fuck about how strong and lean you are. You've got to know when to just pick up and move on. That macho shit don't work. Listen to Richard Pryor talk about that in a very funny uh, concert one time. So it's Gerard started this with I'm concerned, and, and you have every right to be Gerard. As a Grizzlies fan, but as an NBA fan and a fan of human beings, like something's going on here and needs to be addressed and, and changed. And the last thing I want to say on this is I, I want to be clear, and I want to, because Henry, you're right. The world isn't fair, right? right? And David, we talk about this. Players, these guys are being hustled since they were like seven. As soon as years they old. show they could like, play, right? Everyone's got their hands in their pockets, trying to steal from them, trying to do whatever. And there is a sense that when you become this multimillionaire, which John Morant is now, many times over, who who are who are your peers? Who do you hang out with, right? Because the people in your income bracket don't look like you, by and large, right? Like, so you want to be with people that you know. The problem is, not all of them right, are at the level that you are now, have the responsibilities you have now, and you have to find a way to, to discern that. And that's what Henry talked about with LeBron, right? It's like, all right, guys, like, and it's probably really hard work and annoying and, like, way more than he wanted to do. But that's why you go 450 years in the NBA without any issues, right? Because you have to put in the work. You have way too much to lose here, my guy. Way, way too much. And I think if you're, I was a Blazers fan during the Zach Randolph thing, which is exactly the player that came to mind, right? I'm like, Zach Randolph, you know, like just had a 
it's hard to know what really happened, but there were just a lot of things, right? And some of the reports were worse, were, were, were very bad, but, um, but you don't really know what happened. Um, and it's tempting as a fan of someone who's like a fan of Zach Randolph, it's tempting to think that the people who are claiming this stuff are out to get you or, or, or haters, right? But it's not really like Zach ended up becoming a much happier person. Because it was some of this was real and it really had to be acknowledged as real and then it really had to change. Right. And like the point is you can love Zach Randolph and not poo-poo these accusers at all, right? Like, like these are bad situations, right? And you want the situation to become a good situation, right? And so like that comes from not souping under the rug. I think it's like, I don't know what happened here, but it's tempting as a Grizzlies fan or a Jaw fan just to be like, nah, I didn't think you're gonna fight the reality. But like, no, we gotta accept the reality just be open-minded follow the evidence and like and it could be much better for jaw that way even if short term it hurts a little well said well said um guys we yesterday published a story from one of our our monday morning editorial meetings about Nikola Jokic, and we joined the fray of the mvp discussion that is pretty lowbrow and you know it's silly and it, it prompts henry to have these conversations with me and with the larger team about Media and well, Henry, I would like you to describe how you describe the people who, oh who, who run the who run the media business. <laughs> like with that, and then like you know <laughs> Howard coming on the show. I, th- I don't usually use the word imbeciles very much. But, like I've been using it like right and left. Uh, I've, I'm glad I inspired you to use the word imbeciles. The very sight of me, <laughs> no. you were the indirect cause. <laughs> yeah, no, I not sure I mean, how to take. Regular listeners will not be surprised to hear me say that I'm unimpressed by like the leaders of sports media, right? And um, what really here's I think the most useful way for me to say it. So there, I, there's a really good podcast I listened to recently about this guy who started something called the Blacklist in Hollywood. He had a job of reading scripts, and he would work his ass off, go home every week and read like every script. He's working for some celebrity who's trying to find like just the perfect one to invest in. And after a while, he realizes like. There are 70, 80, 100 people like him in Hollywood who have to just like try to find the script that no one knows about, right? And long story short, he got all of them to secretly submit the ones they liked to him. In exchange, he submitted the amalgamated list to all of them, which was like was an interesting, it was probably bad for their employer, but it was good for them because now they had better eyes. They could see of all the, I think he had some crazy number, like the Writers Guild of America has something like 50, maybe maybe 500,000 scripts are registered a year. Wow. So he's like, this is a library with no book jackets, right? No labels, no, it's just, it's just all this stuff. We're supposed to find the good thing in there, find like the one good thing. So a whole weekend of working and he'd come back with like, nope, nothing good. <laughs> and uh, once they started this different method, method of searching, um, the, the blacklist, it was called, the blacklist became the source of like one Oscar winner after another record setting movies. Now it's a whole production company. It's like a, it's an incredible innovation in finding quality stuff. The first list included uh, Diablo Cody, who no one had ever heard of, wrote the script called Juno, which became like this big hit, right? So I would argue that like, if you're a talented reader and you read a ton of stuff, then you'll find Juno which has no characteristics of a hit it has no George Clooney. It has no, like, you know, has none of the like things in this it has no like Joe Esther Haas or like big screenwriter name. It's just a good fucking well-executed story. I happen to love the movie, Juno, um, but uh, <laughs> it was great. It was I fucking great. love it. Um, so uh, 
in our and so what they did was they took like the circumstances of success and then they put you know put it together in our business now at this phase and Howard please jump in here like I feel like I'm not aware of anybody with that kind of vision where it's like these 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 are the the ingredients of success instead what I see is like a strategy which is sort of like oh well you know Stephen A is pretty famous he'll get some audience so we'll execute that play which is this is the opposite way of finding movie this is say where you say like I have no idea if the script is good or not but we got George Clooney mm-hmm. like just go right like there's some there's some business there that that's not nothing but much more interesting to me is like ooh like we have the talented Howard Beck and we're going to put him in this situation where it's just going to be like 10x success right um this is just like a basketball player where you're like how how do you optimally use Kevin Durant not just get Kevin Durant just throw him out there like but what do you do to make that really the most it can be and like i the, the when i use the word imbeciles i'm saying like I don't see a lot of like putting people in position to succeed in sports media now. In fact, I see almost none. I can't see <laughs> evidence of it really at all. And it's kind of a bummer because I feel like this industry could be a lot more successful, interesting with fewer layoffs. Um, and that would be good. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book? maybe show up for a friend. Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should point out here that in, in our in our preparing for today's show, we basically agreed that like Howard's, in a, mo- Howard's a nicer guy in a more delicate situation than I am. So I'm going to be... <laughs> Harsh and name collie and um, and Howard isn't, which is which is appropriate. Totally fine. Uh, I mean, uh, Henry knows me well enough to know. Uh, all of you probably know me well enough to know that I have many many thoughts on the state of the media industry and the sports media industry that we all talk about in, in press rooms and bars and other places, but uh, not on this podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Um, I, I I I will just say that. Um, on a, cu- a couple quick thoughts, since this was sparked by the MVP discussion and and presumably Perks uh, thing yesterday, uh, I don't know what even to call it. I'll just say it, Perks thing. Perks thing. <laughs> That's the um, thing. Our, the MVP discussion annually goes further and further off the rails, um, and it's become it, it's become annoying, frankly, um, especially for those of us who. You know, I've had a ballot for more years than not in the 26 years I've covered the league. Um, and those of us who are, are on part of that voting panel put a, a lot of thought 
a lot of analysis, a lot of research into this. I mean, I can't speak for all 100 people, but I know that a lot of us put a, an excruciating amount of thought and analysis into this. So to have it reduced to any number of talking points and speculated on or may, or the assumptions made, oh, well, the, the voters do this because of X, Y, Z, or they've, they snubbed this guy because of it. Come on. Like there's a hundred of us for one thing. We're not, there's no conference call, but we're not, there's no consensus being hatched here after some 100 person way discussion over a massive zoom call. Could it's you imagine? hundred people. Oh my God. No, I cannot. It would be uh, awful. <laughs> they're all wonderful people, but I don't want to see those 99 <laughs> other faces all at once while we're trying to talk over each other and make really, you know, cogent points about the MVP race. Um, and by the way, it used to be 125, 126. It was, it was cut down to 100 maybe, I don't know, 8, 10 years ago. It used to be over like 125 people. Um, it's now 100. It's a lot of people. We're all individuals. We're in various parts of the country and the world because there are international reporters in there as well. Um, we are uh, of, of every gender, race, ethnicity, nationality, maybe not all nationalities. There are a lot of nationalities around the world, but a lot of nationalities because we have international reporters covering the league. It is, you know, I don't want to say it's a diverse group because people have different definitions of how much diversity you need to qualify as diverse, but it is a spread of people and the NBA in deciding how to create that panel and who do the ballots go to spends a lot of time. Again, I know this for a fact, spends a lot of time trying to make sure that we have some sense of diversity when it comes to gender and race and, uh, and, and, and location uh, around the country and again around the world. All of which is to say that anytime you reduce the results of an MVP vote, whether it's this year, last year, the Steve Nash year, any of, any of these other years, years that might have been a little more disputed, the Russell Westbrook year, whatever, you can't draw any broad conclusions about what the voters did because the voters are not one person in one mind on a 100-person conference call. It is literally 100 people sitting at their desks at home where I am sitting right now looking at... <laughs> 50 different tabs open every April with all these basketball reference searches, stat head searches, NBA stats site, um, looking at it every which way, trying to consider all things and trying to come up to come to some sort of logical conclusion based on my own definition of what I think the MVP is. And everybody has their own. And, 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 and after all of that process is done, you have something approximating a consensus. And whether it's right or wrong, whatever right and wrong even means, I don't know. It's not one thought process, though. And so to draw any conclusions about the outcome and say that it's because of any particular factor or to say that it's because it was against one person, they don't want to give it to this guy. I mean, come on. And and so we, Perk is, by the way, not the only source of nonsense on this recently. Um, <laughs> not the only He's the tallest one, nonsense, though. That's a great phrase. <laughs> He's the tallest one. By far the tallest one and the one I least want to accuse of nonsense in person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, but other people like the, the, the conspiracy theories or the, um, just the, 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 the paranoia, the accusations of agendas and Boston media mafia stuff and all this, stuff, like, <laughs> uh, like those things are really irritating because it negates all of us as individuals. And the fact that we are all trying to do this to the best of our ability individually. And, and this is just, you know. It's, the outcome goes where it goes, but anyway, all right, I'm 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 done. Well, 
pontificating and ranting, probably far more than Henry expected. But Henry, this is this Thank is you. the thing Thank you're you, saying Henry. about about sports media, though, right? Because that perk clip, I'm sure, went viral yesterday. I don't know. I didn't see the numbers, but I bet it I did. I didn't it see a it. A ton of engagement I read, I read on social it. media. I read it. I didn't see it. All right. So, yeah. well, there you go. Right. And you don't even go on there, David. So that's how I know it. Yeah. If you saw it, then that's yeah. how I know. Like it's this is the goal, right, of sports media now. It's to do this thing, not necessarily. 100 individual people, we all think, no, 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 no. Perk said, well, he didn't say. He implied it's because he's white, right? Ah, that's going to get everybody charged up. And it's like, why are we doing this lowest common denominator thing? Like, well, why? Well, I, I have one thought that I just, I, I love irony. It's one of my favorite words. And, and this, this is a really ironic situation because that which best gives us, a, I'm an analyst. I, I'm analyzing data all the time. Uh, and very often, not very often, there are times where I'm wrong, where I think one thing, and then the data shows that I'm not right. Uh, and other times I'm trying to solve an answer and data solve a question. Data can show me, at least uh, as we're talking about me and Henry, for my article next week, I'm trying to figure out something about the New York Knicks. What the fuck's going on? I go to data to at least <laughs> give me some idea. And I know what I'm looking on the court, and I still need data. The data is faceless. It's nameless. We can just call it uh, A, B, C, D, E, or name them planets. The data shows us what it shows us. And so to, to, to suggest that the data is what is the racist part of this is where the irony really is, because it's just the opposite. It should tell us an answer. I look at a lot of charts. I did this last year when I picked Jokic as the MVP. He was number one in all of them. Now, if I look at the top five best metrics that I believe in, uh, that tell us the overall best, most impactful player. And Jokic won three of them, and Embiid won two. Now we can really get into, I think, something challenging. It just hasn't happened. Jokic is number one on all of them, almost across the board, in some cases by huge margins. And so, to me, then it becomes interesting, and I'm all for it. I just said today to Henry on the phone, I hope Joel really surges these last 20-some-odd games, and Philly wins 18 of them. And Jokic does what he's doing. I'm not rooting for Jokic to play badly. But if Embiid really surges, and at least they're close, it's a fun argument. But right now, there's no argument. We're making something out of nothing. I'm big on, like, if you're going to accuse someone of something, like, be specific, right? This is how the law works, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like, okay, Perk must know fucking 35 voters. At least. Right? Who? Like, have you talked to that person about it, Kendrick? Like, is that person racist? Like, who's racist? Like, you, the word the media is like way too easy, right? It's just like, like if, yeah. if you can come up if if it's if it's predominantly racist, I'm like, I'll just like, I don't think Howard's racist, and I think he's being honest about how he's voting. I'm not. I don't know the inner workings of everybody's emotional state when they vote, whatever. Like, oh, it's just allow Henry's America's Wi-Fi. racist, right? It, it could Henry's be right? Wi-Fi. We knew it. it could, oh, <laughs> right when he said something really no, is my Wi-Fi racist? something really <laughs> profound. This is this is typically what happens. Mm. Am I still frozen? Yeah, you know, we just hear yeah. murmurs. Nope, you're back. You, you sound like Charlie Brown's <laughs> That's teacher. Really sad. <laughs> wah, wah, right. wah, 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 exactly. Was it better than That's what exactly. I actually said? Though probably it was better, like the, <laughs> the Charlie Brown teacher no, version. You, you 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 were on a roll, Henry. No. no <laughs> You were really like hammering the point mm. home. Oh, okay. What should we do now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to ask Howard something. Uh, Howard, you were voting okay. when Nash won the MVPs. No, in fact, I did not 
So real He's quick. Like, Thank God. <laughs> I don't get to answer that question. Oh, no, no, I wasn't no. going to ask that question. Gerard, I had a different question. Gerard, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I love being able to play this card because that <laughs> the Nash one or the, the two Nash ones, or especially yeah. the second Nash one, yeah. um, is one of the more disputed ones. And I have a get out of jail free card on this because <laughs> for the nine years that I worked for the New York Times from 2004 through 2013, I was not allowed to vote by Times policy. And so really? I voted huh. most of my years working for the LA Daily News, um, 97 to 04. I've voted every year since leaving the Times in 2013. I did not vote from 2000, from the 0405 uh, season through the 1213 season, which means you can't blame me if you don't think but that's Nash not was what in. I was going to ask you, though, though. That is very interesting. <laughs> what, I, what I ask you is the, because the, I was at ESPN, I think started maybe 06 or 07. I didn't have a vote. Um, I don't remember the kind of anywhere close to the kind of data then, then we that, that available to us that we have now. Obviously, second special no. didn't even exist, no. but there and and all the other things that the NBA didn't have, all the things they have, right? So you were doing it much more on regular statistics and slightly advanced ones like PER. Great, Howard wasn't doing right. it. <laughs> I meant even before. That was not. I Howard. didn't mean just with Nash. I meant even before Nash. Like historically, it's been very basic numbers that we know now don't yes. tell a great story compared to what we have now. We have we have far more data than we've ever had before. I would ar actually argue we now have too much data because now I see people pinning entire arguments to a single stat or a single advanced stat right. or on off ratings. And all of these things have their flaws and all, and none of them are, are definitive on their own. And I, I don't like having the MVP argument um, reduced to, well, if you're leading in all these advanced stats, ergo, therefore, you must be. And if that's the case, we don't need ballots and we don't need that's voters. That's my argument. Just combine all the stats right. and, and award it to whoever won the stats thing. That's what I say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, some people would say, yes, by all means, let's yeah, do that and, and take you idiots out of it. Or, or excuse me, the imb imbeciles. We're imbeciles. Um, well, but, okay, you can use it like that. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I don't think that's really what we want. I don't think no. we really want an algorithm to spit out the MVP every year. I think we kind of want the debate and we want the discussion and we want the context and the dreaded narrative. Um, all of these things matter. The win totals matter. Everything matters. It all matters. That, that's and, true. And that's, win total matters. That's what yeah. used to be the fun of this debate as opposed to what is now the pain of this debate because people have distorted it and 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 uh, weaponized it and used it for their own grievances mm -hmm. um, and conspiracy theories. That part has gotten annoying to the fucking nth degree. But- I, I I do think that it's on, on balance. I'm glad we have more data. I try to look at as much of it as possible, but the data is not definitive. Speaking of data, I should just note this one thing because um, I saw this on Twitter late last night. Um, Perk in his thing, um, <laughs> Perk's thing. I like it. said, said since, since 1990, only three guys won MVP who were to the top 10 in scoring. And he says, Nash, Jokic, Nowitzki. And, and he says, what do those guys have in common? The obvious implication there. Um, our, our friend Ben Taylor, who does a great job uh, tweeting, podcasting, writing, analyzing the game. He's, he's very smart and great dude. Ben Taylor tweeted last night, and I think he's the first person I saw actually do this. He says, not sure if this has been corrected, but it's just flat out wrong. Jokic was sixth and 10th in points yeah. per game in the two years that he <laughs> won MVP. He was, he was top five in total points both years. So even on a, on a total basis instead of just uh, per game basis, Dirk was 11th in points per game by a half point the year that he won it, but fifth in total points. So Perk's premise 
wasn't even well-founded or statistically accurate, um, much less the implication that came behind well, it, which I, was- I think just he was just calling. pointing out they weren't American. <laughs> Raise and, your and, hand and, if you agree with David. <laughs> and, 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 and do you know, you know why he used 1990? Because if you go yeah. back to the right. 80s and you look at Magic Johnson's MVP, right. who, by the way, everyone on this podcast agrees is one of the greatest right. basketball players of all yep. time. End of discussion. Magic, not a top no. 10 point per game scorer right. either. Not even close. But that doesn't fit the narrative that I want to spin. So, well, I feel like there's like, I want no part of this, like, there is no racism. Like every time people say that, I'm like, there's always fucking racism. Like, there, it's, sure. it's, there is, right? Yes. Like, but but this one is just not that simple, right? Like, it's just, <laughs> no, like it's just, and reducing it's it to that, like, reducing to that, not only is inaccurate, but it's insulting. It was unnecessary. You can make a case. Chris Dempsey, our, our friend from, uh, uh, I don't know what the the regional sports network in Denver is. I, I, I apologize. Altitude. Yeah. Altitude. Altitude. Um, I, I knew I knew Chris way back in his Denver Post days, so I, I still think of him as Chris Dempsey of the of the Denver Post because I'm old. Um, but uh, Chris Dempsey had a a, a great five minute, um, very measured and analytical rebuttal um, that he posted to his Instagram yesterday, um, just noting that look, and he and he ended it with this kind of note. I'm just going to paraphrase him, but basically, like Perk, if you want to argue for Embiid or Giannis or whatever, like great, m- make the argument for those guys, but make that argument. Don't make the argument that Jokic is only winning MVPs because of, of, of the color of his skin or his whatever, or anything else or anything else. Just make the case for why the other guys are a better MVP candidate or a more worthy MVP winner. Mm -hmm. He, he didn't have to go there with this. And Henry said it like, races in everything, right? None of us should ever pretend that it's not present in just about every discussion as text or subtext. It, it is there consciously, subconsciously. I, I absolutely believe that. It has, and I'm not even going to say that it has zero place ever in these awards discussions or the way we discuss players in the NBA. What I will say is that it had absolutely zero relevance to the point that Perk was trying to make <laughs> yesterday. And that's the part that is insulting to me. I tell you another thing is like Alan Iverson won MVP and I was covering that team. And like, like it, that's one of the, that one doesn't hold up well at all. Right. Like if you apply any defensive screen, like, like that Alan Iverson and the kind of player that he was like tiny, high volume shooters, like low, they're never the MVP. Like, they, yeah. and you can find no analytic to suggest that this <laughs> is, any, you know, he was like, he was a very exciting player, but it wasn't like a very meritorious vote, right? Like I, I was thrilled that he won. He had the whole country like electric. He's an incredible player, but um, but that was because we wanted him. We liked him, right? I, I mean, I didn't vote, but um, but uh, but to me, like if we're looking at people who didn't deserve to win, and then the other one, to me, like one of the most egregious was Derrick Rose over LeBron James. Like, yeah, like people just didn't fucking want LeBron to win that year. Like it, he was just annoying. Like he annoyed the world. <laughs> and um and Derek Rose wasn't better. He just wasn't. That and that to me, like, it's not a perfect system. You know, neither is our democracy, or whatever, right? But like, but <laughs> but like, you know, the fact is, like, there have been some good votes and some less good votes, and it doesn't cut strictly on racial lines. Well said, guys. All right. But can I make one other little thing? Yeah. Though? yeah. Actually, so one other little thing as far as like the media goes, and um <laughs> CJ McCollum at All Star Weekend. New media. Said this thing that was like, and I think CJ's a great guy, 
um, and he's president of the Players Association. But he was basically like, you know, we need to look at this voting because like the media are actually affecting people's income, right? Because some people, you know, if you're, you know, if you're voted this or that, it can affect your Mm -hmm. contract you can get. I'm like, it's actually affecting people's income, CJ? Like, read the fucking room. You know what just happened to Howard? You know what I mean? Like, 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 like come on, buddy. Everybody we're talking about is never going to starve at all. Like, there's no concern about the mortgage, right? Like, like, actually affecting people's income? Like, that weekend? Like, fuck you! Like, uh, all right, listen. But th- thank you. Thank you and point taken and... and- uh, I, I I talked to CJ a couple different times over the course of that weekend because I was also at the, uh, the the party that his agency put on and we we chit chatted that night and I had just gotten the news about my my layoff from from yeah. my uh, soon to be former employer. Um, so he, he he knew he's not being insensitive. He's not, uh, but yeah, but no. Listen, the the point I was, was just fighting for you, Howard. In my <laughs> thank head. you. I was having thank an imaginary you. conversation with CJ. Thank you. I yeah. I didn't even think of it in those terms at the moment, and I was sitting in the room as he said <laughs> that because it was that the. Uh, the union's press conference. I was there. Um, listen, I, I, I will just say this as also the newly elected uh, president of the pro basketball writers association. And as somebody who I've been fairly outspoken on this, uh, just as a PBWA member and officer in the past, we should not be determining players incomes, no matter how much they already make and whether they're worthy of 30 million or so more. Um, we should not have a role in that. We were conscripted into that role. Now, we could any one of us can refuse to to vote in a given year. Sure, okay, that's fine. The, the whole media could just decide we're not voting on awards, and the NBA could will have to figure out another voting body. Um, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> but what we did not sign up for, what we did not agree to, was to tie bonuses or or um, supermax contracts to the tune of whatever twenty five thirty million more per per contract to tie that to awards. We didn't do that. The Players Association's leadership and the NBA's negotiators did that. They did that in the in the collective bargaining agreement some years ago. I have uh, both publicly and privately um, complained and urged them to undo that. Um, we don't want to be determining... Like I understand like people say, oh, well, there are always bonuses for this and that. Yeah, okay, fine. There were probably some bonuses, not on the order of 30 million. And a lot of those were tied to things like all-star games, which are fan vote as well as now media vote and player vote and everything else. This is the most direct cause effect in terms of media action, the vote, and player earnings, the supermax eligibility. We should not be part of this. The league and the union need to find a better way. I have made this same plea directly to CJ McCollum. And to Tamika Tramalio, the new executive director, not so new anymore. She's been in the seat for a year or so. Um, but I, I have I have urged them and I have and I have said I'm I'm open to as as you know uh, a representative of the PBWA to discussing this. Um I, I don't know where that will lead because the CBA seems to be pretty far down the road. Um I don't know if this is something they've resolved. I imagine this is way down the list of action items or or, or priorities for both sides. Nevertheless, from my perspective and, and, and speaking on my own behalf and to an extent on behalf of, of my, my fellow media members, we don't want to be det- determining um, what a player can earn. 
and it was not our choice. And uh, I will continue to urge them to undo that piece of it. Oh, well said. And since we're here, well, let's let's talk about that that pending CBA deal between the NBA and MBPA. Look at me set up that segue. <laughs> Lovely segue, Howard. <laughs> uh, look, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic about it, but I feel like because David and Henry and I have been talking about the future of the NBA, right? Just in and the future of sports in general. This deal to me seems like it is maybe the most critical one. Like just because I don't know how the delivery of this product is going to happen going forward, right? Yes, they're going to sign a broadcast deal and whenever they're going to announce it and do the thing, but the ratings are continuing to decline. Henry always talks about at some point that package, the way we sell it is not going to be worth $8 billion. It's going to start be worth less, which means BRI is going to go down, which means a whole lot of other things. Like I just, this, this deal to me is so, so important about the future of the league. What say you all? Did you guys see what baseball mm-hmm. just did with uh, the pitch count? Love it. Yeah, I think there, I a, think if it's a did you see what baseball did for me? The answer is always a no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> same, no same. fucking clue what baseball did. They, they've got a they've got a pitch clock now, and I think mm-hmm. spring training games are down twenty, maybe twenty nine minutes, some big number. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the dilemma Henry's been talking about for a long time. Like what, what, the NBA, whatever they have to do, they better be thinking about how to get more fans, how to get younger fans to start wanting to watch the game. And so I agree with your general assessment, Gerard. This is super, super important because it might be the last big deal we have. Um, Howard and I spent a lot of time together in the hallway outside. I remember. <laughs> I was on the phone with you a lot during the Sidewalks. Time. Yeah. Always. I remember. <laughs> like how many freaking hours did we spend doing nothing? Um, I mean, we weren't doing nothing. We were, uh, <laughs> we were tweeting. We no, were we were looking for chargers. <laughs> we were looking for places to charge our phones and computers. I think I had a BlackBerry at the time. We all did. Um, yeah. We all did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's the 2011 lockout Henry's referring to, in which uh, a number of us were staked out outside any number of uh, Manhattan hotels, almost all of them on the Upper East Side. Um, some of which had lobbies, which were, uh, chilled to like 25 degrees and they were very uncomfortable to sit in. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you, the Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, other, uh, do not touch the piano at the Waldorf Astoria <laughs> in the lobby. Um, don't think they liked a bunch of scruffy sports writers hanging out there for all hours. No, everybody um, likes that. Scruffy. Yeah. There were, there was the, there was the day lo- Greg Popovich wandered by. Like randomly on a job. I, I missed that day because oh. that was literally the day I was assigned to go cover a uh, the Red Sox spiraling. My Times editors were like, mm. oh, you're not doing anything. I'm like, no, no, I got a lot to cover. Like, no, 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 we need somebody to go. The, the, the Red Sox are, are like about to have a historic collapse. Go cover baseball for two days. Um, so I missed Popovich as a result. I'll never forgive my editors. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he didn't miss much. It was just I, the there, same haranguing shit that you get in after know, every game in every hallway. It was, it, what the it fuck really, are you guys doing here? Jesus, it, like, trying to relax a little, like that kind of it, thing. It really never, <laughs> it really never did change, did it? It was, uh, <laughs> it was Groundhog Day. Uh, I, I, I was perversely, um, not entertained, but like, there's something about that whole lockout saga and covering it that actually I, I perversely enjoyed. I don't know why. Um, it was just different. It was weird. It was unpredictable. Uh, the, the cat and mouse game of us trying to figure out where they were negotiating, finding somebody to leak the information. Um, I, I won't tell the story because it's not my story to tell, but my buddy Ken Berger had a really clever way of ferreting it out one day. 
Oh, um, I want to know about that. <laughs> I can't. I can't say it's 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 Ken's story to tell. Um, and and also we just it was like a bunch of us like because we're just punch drunk at all hours sitting around. We're just like, yeah, we were on the clock. We're working, but we're you know it was also kind of just like like i said weirdly fun like we're sitting there eating like takeout pizza in the in the the lobby of the you know uh, you know waldorf astoria like it, it just it it was weird it was all surreal and strange and a unique uh reporting experience that um we probably won't replicate and probably shouldn't i um i didn't that was not my emotional experience oh, of it. it definitely had some like fun Henry, components but i was like to tell. oh Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You got all these stories That's to tell. Sad. And it's just, it's just, you know, you're just, sad. but Howard, like how important is the deal though? Like, I mean, yes, I know it's important for the, for to well, basketball to actually be played, but in terms of the importance for the league going forward, the future. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because for the last several years, maybe since the 2011 lockout. And as we moved into the cord cutting era, I had some of the same concerns and suspicions about like, well, Okay, twenty four billion over nine years is what they got in their TV deal that they signed. Um, whatever that was, twenty twelve, thirteen, whenever it was, um, twenty fourteen. And I thought, wow, uh, now we're moving the cord cutting era, and are Turner and and, and Disney going to get the return on investment for these massive outlays they just made that they committed to over the next nine years and during a period when more and more people are cutting the cord and and I did wonder the same thing. Well, if, if if revenue comes down, if the if the next TV deal comes down, um, then sal- the salary cap comes down, and and now you've got these massive salaries that that don't fit a new salary. I thought that's where this was all going, and I thought the whole thing could crater and it could be really disastrous. But every credible estimate out there, and I am no expert on TV rights deals, but stuff I read from people who who are much smarter about this than I am say they're going to double to triple the last rights deal. And, and that as much as people are cord cutting, you know, there are all these new revenue streams, literally streaming, right. Uh, you know, over the top, all this, all, all, all these other new methods of beaming the games into people's homes and many more players in terms of, of broadcast outlets. Cause they're not just all just broadcast. Some of them are, are, are just streamers. So there's all these, you know, instead of it being a two way national deal between Turner and Disney ESPN, it may well be three or four and NBC apparently is trying to get back in the fray and Amazon could get into, into the fray and who knows Paramount plus might get in there. Um, and so I'm not concerned about whether the league is going to be able to still generate, um, just an amazing, uh, you know, in, in, you know, un- uncalculable am- amounts of revenue. They're going to, <laughs> it's going to continue to grow whether people continue to watch traditionally, which is, coach your your point that's the real question right if everybody is just watching highlights now um and reacting to to 30 second clips or compilations and they're not watching full games that does have implications and yet the people who are about to write these massive checks in the in the billions and billions of dollars to the nba they know all that stuff and they know that stuff better than we do and mm. they're doing it anyway. <laughs> mm. Like, no, how I like, like they'll make they'll get. I think they'll get their money, right? But like, but it is not justified. Like this, this they've already. Will they stop watching? Has we're fifteen years into that. Like it's fucking done. Like it's done as a TV show. Like the only thing is, like you know, it was worth enough to some people at Disney and Turner to pay this much to like keep Disney and Turner relevant in these ways. But like 
the night by night like income, like the ad, they sell the ads and they sell the ESPN subscriptions, like does not cover the cost. Not even close, right? It's completely fucked. Like, like I'm telling you, I've, I mean, I think I've signed some things. I'm supposed to say some of it. Like, like so I won't tell you I know, but like, but <laughs> fucking trust me. Like, and like, and, the, and a, a big theme is the league going to the partner saying like, can you please make us relevant? Like, can you please make this matter to young people? And like, and you know, I've heard from the league itself that like a huge indicator of future audience is how people play basketball. Like, you know, like like these number and people just watching cable t- cable TV TV ads fucking cooked right like they, like nothing like lebron's salary can be supported by any of this right so will in the future someone figure out another product that will that will actually make that kind of money like probably not i would just my guess but like will someone be willing to lose that amount of money to win some streaming wars like maybe yes right i think so like for a this short, is a for, for a period of time where, anyway for a period of time. So I feel this is where we are. It's like this whole last deal was an abomination. But they're talking about carving off ESPN from Disney because it's such a big money loser and then letting it die so that Disney's okay, <laughs> right? ESPN is the cancer on Disney right now, right? Like, like because of these deals, this is their big outlay, right? Um, if you're the head of Amazon, you probably have so much money, you're willing to take on that kind of risk, right? But there aren't that many Amazons, right? And right. And they won't last forever. And so to me, like, yeah, the NBA gets has the luxury of this period of reformation and like figuring out like the new big thing. But like, you know, the things that drive big audiences for the NBA now don't drive big revenue for the NBA now, right? That you, yeah. those YouTube pre roll ads are bullshit as paying LeBron's salary, right? So, um, I to me, like, yeah, you're right. They're gonna definitely get a long runway to figure it out, but it's not infinite. And if they get it wrong, like I don't know how this the, goes. The house is on right? fire. Like I don't. The house is on fire. Oh yeah, yeah. We for can't. Sure. We can't just assume it's an, like, like Draymond said. I told you what Draymond said about the Warriors' defense. Look with everything. It's yeah, not just coming. It. You got to go get it. We got to solve something. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, get we're it. gonna get extinguished. And, and the thing is, the league has it right because of all the four major North American sports in terms of its social media engagement, it's number right. one by far, right. and it is the number. It's its young fan base is larger than any of the other sports. Figure out, talk to these people, right? Like, talk to them and figure out what they want to do and start tailoring things that help. Yeah, we won't like it, but I was going to say we're going to die soon anyway. But, Careful. like, we're not going to be here forever. <laughs> we're not going to be here forever. So, whatever. Ah. Like, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> but they basically said, I mean, they've been smart with the social media where they're basically just like, we're going to just give you the lead. Yes. Yeah. On every new platform, we're just going to give it to just you. Just give it to you. And then we'll assume at some point when we come with our handout and say, pay for the league that you will. And so far, like that second part, nah, really like, it just it. isn't nope. like league pass is not a juggernaut, you know, like, like what is the thing where, cause if you can either have like, you know, a billion people watch, then you can put ads on it and it's free. Or if you have, you know, I don't know, some number of you know tens of millions watching, then they have to pay you. Otherwise the business isn't very big. Right. And like, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be something interesting to watch uh, as we have going forward. Howard, any parting thoughts? Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, no parting thoughts other than um, it's almost time for us to move the car back again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we're wrapping up. My yep. wife yep. took the first shift moving mm-hmm. the car to double park, mm-hmm. and it's now my turn, turn to, to go out and, and put it back. Um. This what's is the, the life fee. What's the what's the this ticket is... if you if you're late with that? 
I haven't gotten one in a long time. Uh, I do know this much. Um, the, the the economics of this are funny. You're actually better off just getting the ticket once a week than paying to garage your car in New oh York because Sweet. a garage costs like four to five hundred dollars a month. And Six you're gonna get places. ticketed probably at most once a week. And I think those are like, I don't know, 60, 70 bucks or whatever. It's still cheaper <laughs> to get tickets than it is to officially <laughs> legally park your car. Um, or you just do this silly dance that we do um in my neighborhood every Tuesday just, and Thursday. The whole point of it is just to make David feel good about Florida. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> it's gonna take more <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna take a little bit more than that. Um but no this has been a pleasure guys. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Would love to do it again. Uh I've got plenty of time on my hands. <laughs> Not for long. Thank you Howard. Thank you David. Thank you Henry. All right guys we will see you later on. Take care. <laughs>